Hey, 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 folks. Welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, Katie and I are going to be answering a couple of different questions that we've received from some of you regarding singleness. Now, if you're not single, do not fret. I feel like this message, or not this message, this podcast, is going to be directed towards the masses. No, just it's going to be directed towards anybody and everybody. So please give it a listen. And also, thank you so much for the ratings and the reviews that you've all been so kind and gracious and generous with your time to give. They give, they bless Katie and I so much. And if you're listening to this intro, it's because you're not watching this podcast on YouTube. And so I'm going to let you know that we also started putting these podcasts up on YouTube. And that's kind of a fun little community that we have over there because you can comment a lot more frequently and we can kind of communicate back and forth with you on that platform. And then there's video of us too, which is different. And so if you, want to, if you want something different, you can hear us and see us over there on YouTube at, now that we're a family on YouTube. Okay, we'll get going. Hey, I'm Elisha Votberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in families that were fun, impactful, and relationship rich. Now that we're a family of our own with three young children under the age of three, we're eager to see what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi. Hello. Hello. Wow. <laughs> that took me off guard. Well, much of today has taken us <laughs> off guard and it shouldn't have. We should have seen this coming, but we kind of had a little bit of a, a momentary crisis. Yeah. I think we saw it coming, but I think it was inevitable. Yes. You just had to go through it. Yeah. Because we straight up don't have a third person to do what we needed a third person to do maybe yeah we it's monday right now and we ha in the past probably like a lot of people have really depended on weekends to line us up for a busy week and this monday was uniquely jam-packed with a lot of commitments that we needed to have fulfilled by today you know that we needed to have done by today and we had probably the biggest weekend work weekend we've had maybe our whole lives like yeah, it was a huge work weekend and so by the time monday morning rolled around we just felt like we were you know two years behind on everything and needing to get a bunch done yeah i think honestly we're not out of the woods yet by the end of the month we'll be out of the woods it's mm -hmm. kind of like everything's backed up through the end of the month mm -hmm. but it, this weekend was great. So we basically had my sister up, Kelsey and Kimberly came up, two of my sisters, and Kelsey recorded 12 courses, 12 course lessons yes. for 
Voberg Music Academy. Yes, on the piano. For so the piano. So we've been trying to get piano courses on VMA since we started it. Yeah, you're right. We've talked about getting piano because it's such a popular instrument. And it's actually, I think it's so cool the way the Lord's timing works out because Kelsey had just been teaching for a couple of years at that point, And mm. now she's been teaching for six years and she just has like such an incredible method. She has so much confidence. Like it's just the right time for her. Yes. And we tried with some other piano teachers and it was just like, ah, oh, this isn't a good fit. And Kelsey is just like a hundred percent aligned with what we want Boberg Music Academy to be. Right. So it's just so cool. We needed a piano teacher that really took initiative and sought us out and was like, Hey, I'm ready. I've got, all these lessons lined out. I know exactly what I'll teach. Um, and that's and that exactly. taught a specific way. Yeah. Yes. You know, because anyways, because, because that's why. <laughs> yeah. So because Kelsey was traveling like six and a half hours via car to come record these lessons, we devoted all day Saturday and all day Sunday to doing that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, she got here late Friday night and basically from sun up till sundown on Saturday and Sunday, we were working on that. And it's funny because Elisha and I joke, we have one computer working right now. (laughs) The other one's broken. And it's like, it has the smallest, cheapest amounts of gigabytes you can have while still being a Mac computer. And we crank out like hours and hours and hours of footage. So it's constant, like every week. So it's a constant juggle of like, okay, can you delete your footage? I need to edit mine, (laughs) delete yours, like deleting footage uploading it deleting it re-uploading it like it's it's so inefficient this weekend was a huge wake-up call because i think that i've never viewed myself as a well i'm just not i'm not a tech person and i've never even viewed our businesses as being based on like or like being yeah being having like being dependent on technology or you know video equipment and yet when i Think of all the content that we put out because we're, we're not like videographers from like an artistic no, standpoint, no. you know, like we're not good craftsmen when it comes to videoing, but yet we create a ton of video content uh, where we're doing vlogs, we're doing lessons, a ton of lessons, you know, with guitar and fiddle and mandolin, and then even vi- videoing these podcasts like this, see on the video. Hello. <laughs> uh, and so we're doing it every day to some extent. Yeah, And yet I don't ever view myself as a video guy. And so therefore I've never really justified investing into the proper equipment or like computer or storage for video content. And we're really, we're really biting, we're, we're reaping the, the, what am I trying to say? I don't know. We're, we're, we're just beyond. Yeah. We're, right we're reaping the, the, uh, because I've had that mindset. Oh my word. You're really <laughs> bricking and I'm not helping no, you I've got all. this. We're now reaping the consequences of there that. There you go. Nice. Okay, so we're going to dive into not talking about our lives and talking about single people's lives because we're clearly not single and sometimes it's more fun to talk about other people's yeah. problems. Well, I think it's kind of fresh on our mind too because not only had you received some questions about this pretty recently, but I've got, you know, I guess five siblings or yeah, four siblings that are single. You've got what? Seven siblings, eight siblings that are single. Nine. Yeah. And, and so we talk with them on a regular basis. And we I mean, love... I guess the seven year old's not, sorry, I cut you off. No, it's okay. I just have nine unburied siblings. Yes. There, and I don't know how many would qualify as, as like young single. adult single. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Uh, so nonetheless, we talk with our single siblings a lot about, 
if they're interested in somebody or about what they want to be doing with their life or what they think they should be doing with their life. And they ask us what we think they should be doing with their lives. And, uh, I mean, we've got opinions, but we don't speak from a place of authority by any means. Well, maybe Elisha doesn't, but I do. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Sorry. I'll speak for myself from now on. I'm just teasing. But I mean, so the first question I got was, what would you tell a single girl? And I get this question a lot on Instagram. I rarely answer it because my Instagram is now that I'm a mother and I'm mainly speaking to mothers on there. And obviously we're like past that stage. Most of the time, there are some single moms that are on my page, but for the most part, it is married women. And so I rarely get around to answering these questions, but we thought it'd be kind of fun to do on the podcast tonight. And the first thing I would tell a single girl is confidently pursue God. I didn't do this very well in my single years. Mm. And as a result, I think I was very unfulfilled and I was constantly seeking for that attention through men, like not in a crazy way, but I always wanted guys to like me and I wanted to be popular and emotionally that was very up and down for me. Mm -hmm. It was very unfulfilling. It was very unattractive. It turned off a lot of other girls that could have been good friends during that time Mm. period because I was just so needy and seeking out that male attention and pursuing God is truly the only thing that fulfills. And I know that's not like super exciting sounding, but honestly, I got married and Elisha did fill that hole in my life that was missing before I got married. For a season. For a season. Yeah. And then I started going up and down a lot and I was relying on him to fill that need, hmm. which is just so unfair to require a human to fulfill a need that only God can fulfill. Because what happens is in marriage, there are times when both of you are drained. And then what? You have to have some, you have to outsource. (laughs) And so just actually within like the last year, I'd say I really come to understand what truly being fulfilled in God means and realizing when I'm out of that and when I'm not. And I just think that would have been so beneficial in my single years. And I see that like in my sister, Kelsey, I just see like she wants to be married. She's single, but just that total fulfillment Mm -hmm. in Christ. I've also seen that in Elisha's sister, that fulfillment before she just got engaged. But just that, just the difference between being a needy girl and being one that's fulfilled is just incredible, not only for you, but also for just, the guys and girls you're around, it's just going to be such a blessing to them. You know, it's interesting because I mean, I think this goes for men just the same as it goes for women. And yet saying something like, you know, have your fulfillment be in the Lord or find your, your contentment in the Lord that can sound so vague and and it sounds so open, open open-ended and spiritual. Well, and that's good because it is spiritual. We're spiritual beings and it's a spiritual need that God fills in us when we come to him. Yeah, that's kind of something that I would just say overall too to a single girl is find something that excites you and inspires you and pursue it. You are the same person married that you are not married. I'm going to be honest, marriage is 10 million times more fun than being single to me personally. So it is a blessing. I'm not going to say like it's not a good thing to desire, but 
you're going to be the same person. If and, and I see this in women, they were discontent before they're married. They're discontent after they're married. They found, you know, they were critical of people before. Now they're just critical of their husband. It's really easy to carry whatever we have, whatever attitudes or whatever tendencies we have before marriage into marriage. And then when kids come along, if we were complainers before, now we complain about our kids and it's just not a fun way to live life in any stage. So I would really encourage you to keep your ideal in mind. And if that ideal is being married and having kids, keep that in mind, but don't wait for it. Hmm. And whatever you're pursuing, you can take that into marriage. You could take, like, I have an aunt who got really good at accounting, and she uses that to help her husband and her family. It doesn't have to necessarily be domestic. For me, domestic things didn't excite me. And for some women, obviously, having domestic skills is great. But I can see if the only end to you being domestic is one day I will serve my husband or my children with this, it can make us feel ungrateful or you know, like unhappy with the life we have now, because that has to happen in order for us to feel like this has reached its full potential. Hmm. So for some women, I'm not saying this for everyone, but for some women, I think it's healthier to actually stay away from some of the domestic things like being a nanny. I think that's great for some single women and they just love it. And I think others, like I had a friend who was quite a bit older growing up. Well, she wasn't a friend, but she was a gal maybe 10 years older and it was kind of a joke because she was this nanny that wanted to have her own kids so bad that guys stayed like a mile and a half away from her because if they like looked at her she'd pounce on them. Hmm. it just gave off this desperate vibe because she was so like the only way i'm going to be fulfilled is in being a mother yeah so maybe it would have been helpful to maybe diversify those desires or skills or abilities i'm not saying it's bad again to do any of these things but just know yourself and know if it's creating an attitude of discontent or if it is super exciting if marriage is out of the picture yeah i I mean everything you're saying i think has so much insight and can be extremely helpful and it's so hard for me to i guess like well that's why i had that disclaimer even at the beginning of saying i'm not speaking with authority yeah and i was joking by the way i'm not speaking with authority (laughs) (laughs) well because i i love my marriage so much i love being married i love it so much more than being single but i do feel that's so like undeserved in so many ways and so when i look back at my single life and how i spent my time i'm not I don't think like, yeah, like in order to get what I have now, do exactly what I did. Well, and- yeah, I don't want to say, I want to say this real quick. Yeah. I, I'm not saying, oh, I did these things and that's why I ended up married. Hmm. I honestly wasn't single that long and I don't think it has anything to do with what you do or what you don't do. Yeah. I think it's your mindset and your I attitude. I think it just can help you enjoy that season yes. or not enjoy the season. And my mom was really good at helping us with this because she got married at 26 mm-hmm. and she just was like, she was so full of life. She was pursuing so many different things for her. Mm-hmm. It was singing. She was touring and she loved it. She had so many different goals. She was serving at camps and she didn't feel that desperation. Yeah. And, and desperation is never attractive. Yeah. I think that even when I evaluate my single season, uh, my young adult single season, there was a, there was a season where I was definitely 
I wanted to get married so bad from the time I was probably 20 to 23, 24. So everything I was doing, I was doing it because I thought a girl might like it. I, I thought it might be attractive to a suitor. And I think the way that that came across was that I was very unconfident in myself because I wasn't doing things because I felt called to them or because I felt convicted in it or even because I was passionate about it. I was doing it sometimes almost begrudgingly thinking it was a responsible and a mature thing to do for my life, whether that's how I saved my money or the way my, the way I worked many hours and my different jobs that I did not enjoy. But I thought this is what I need to do to get a wife. And the end goal in those things was to get a wife. And it came to me almost getting bitter at those things that I was doing and abandoning them all together and deciding to pursue something that I was actually excited about. And from that, I became more confident. And that's ultimately when we started dating. And you've said that I became a lot more attractive to you in that season. So I'm not saying that that's what you need to do as a guy or as a gal, but that's how it worked out in our lives. And, and so I, I do, I guess, kind of echo what you say, that if you are single, pursue something that you feel like the Lord has placed on your heart, doing it wholeheartedly, knowing that that's not where you're putting your whole, whole identity. Because I think that's another fear that single people have, mm-hmm. whether it's a guy or a gal. And they say, well, what if I commit all this time into this schooling or into developing this skill set, and then I get married and I'm not able to utilize it to its full potential? Well, so be it. It's like we can pivot. You know, you're not going to regret being good at something for a small season and then moving on to something else. I don't think you'll regret that anyways. Well, I think it depends. I think for a guy, I think it's less. I think for a woman, it depends on what you want out of your marriage. And that's what I mean by keeping your ideal in mind. I knew I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. That was very specific for me. So it wasn't just like any kind of mom. I wanted to homeschool and I wanted to stay at home. So because of that, even though it might not ever happen for me, I remember I was really jaded after a certain breakup and I was like, you know what? I might get married at 27, 28, 29. I might be in my thirties. I don't know, but I'm not going to throw out this potential being there with my decisions now, or I guess I'm not going to. Yeah. So for instance, I love business. I love teaching. I loved a lot of different things, but I remember having this conversation with my dad because I was like, daddy, I really want to pursue my master's. And when he sat me down, he was like, Katie, you realize it's going to be this many years of school. Then you are going to have to pay that schooling off. And so this is how many years you're going to work. And it was putting me in my thirties and that didn't line up for my ideal of having kids and staying home with them during those years. Mm -hmm. So I decided not to opt for that game plan. And instead, use those same exact desires, those same exact passions and things that I was inspired with, and think more about starting a private girl's school where I didn't need my master's. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like just, just slightly pivot. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's actually really smart for a girl to not put all your eggs in one basket thinking the other one's not going to happen either. Yeah, I think that that's kind of a theme that I want to take on in my whole life and, and teach my kids is that if you've got a desire or a skill set or a passion, the world and society tells you there's one way to utilize it. They say, oh, like for mm-hmm. in your case, I'm passionate about English and I want to be a teacher. And so the common course in this world is to, okay, well then you get your bachelor's degree, which you did, and then you get your master's degree, and then you go down the teaching, you go down the teaching trail. Well, that's one way that you can exercise that gifting and that passion. And it might be the most 
lauded, you know, and the most praised by man, but doesn't mean it's the best way for you and in, in your particular desires for life. And I think I've found that a lot in my own way. I love music. And so when, you know, when you love music as a 17, 18 and 19 year old, my friends were going to these music schools that were so expensive. You know, they were crazy amounts of money to go get a degree that really doesn't guarantee you very much money as a musician. I mean, the jokes are so accurate about musicians not really being that it's hard to make a living as a musician and your music degree doesn't make you that employable in other fields either. And so they're getting these four or five or six year degrees. And I'm not shaming any of these people by any means at all. Like these are people that I really admire and I look up to in a lot of different ways, but it wasn't right for me. Yes. Keeping in mind what you want. That's all we're encouraging. Exactly. Because I I looked at what these guys were doing. These were my friends and my peers and still are. But I thought, well, I also want to be able to have a large family. I want to be able to be the sole provider for my family, and I don't see this working out. So I pursued music from a different angle than that. I didn't give up on music. I just did it in a different in a different manner. Yeah, which I was really grateful for because mm-hmm. you were thinking of again. Well, I want to have be able to provide for a wife and kids, and you wanted your wife to be able to stay home. You wanted to do be a sole provider. Mm-hmm. You know, these are things yes. you're telling me. So you were looking at this specific career path isn't probably going to be that great for this lifestyle that I do still want is an ideal. Yes. I'm not right. just going to throw it out right? and say, forget this. So anyways, I don't know. Those are just like some thoughts and, and I know it can be challenging because again, I wasn't single for years and years, but I've seen people do it well and I've seen people do it poorly. And the people that I've seen do it well, seems to really just have this passion and this energy and, and people are drawn to them. Men Mm. are drawn to them. Women are drawn to them and, and desperation is just never attractive. Right. So if you're in that place of feeling desperate, maybe considering, okay, what can pull me out of this? What can get me excited aside from marriage and kids? Yeah, exactly. Cause I think about that from a, from a guy's, when I'm view myself, I was not very attractive to women because I was doing things for marriage. Well, no, I don't think from like a marriage material standpoint, because I wasn't, when you think about marriage, you're asking somebody to join you, you know, for life, like come join me on this journey of life together with me. And if your journey of life is like, well, yeah, the end goal is marriage. See, I'm doing all these things, these annoying jobs or saving this money this way because marriage is the end. Uh, again, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because marriage is so stinking awesome and it's a, it's a godly thing. Uh, but I contrast that to saying, Hey, this is the thing that I'm pursuing. (laughs) Do you want to join in marriage and pursue this thing with me? That's That's definitely really attractive for any girl. I think Mm -hmm. is to know what she's signing up for. Even if she knows, Hey, I'm a, like for Elisha, he's more of a visionary guy. He has a lot of ideas. It's not going to be a straight line from A to B in a life with him. But I liked that when he was confident in that Mm. and could kind of pitch it to me. Mm -hmm. I could see, oh, this could be a really fun ride. Right. So, okay. So the next question is, how did your parents teach you to value and save your virginity? This one's a little heavier. So this was coming from a gal who said she wishes she would have waited, but her parents just assumed she would wait and never really talked to her about it. And her husband also wishes he would wait, had waited, but they did not realize the importance of it until after they were married or the significance of it. This is kind of a huge topic. It is. Uh, I know we're diving into this. Well, kind of late I, don't know how, I don't know how much I want to dive into this. It's funny because I, I really feel like my brain's broken right now. So apologize me. I'm apologize you. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. I please forgive me. 
And I apologize. I think I've probably already said things in this episode that I'm going to need to cut out or that I regret saying. However, she just said, how did your parents teach you? Yes, exactly. So the reason I guess I'm saying all these things is because I'll just share how I was brought up and how my parents addressed it. And, and that's how, that's what got me to this point. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what got me to where I am today, folks. Okay. So we aren't even going to get into, obviously a lot of people listening to this probably saved their virginity. A lot of people probably didn't. And so this might be a discussion that you might want to have with your kids at some point, or yeah. you're just kind of kicking around ideas. I know Elisha and I are of how do we teach our kids to value their purity and how do we do it in such a way that isn't distasteful to them, mm. but that is actually really appealing and mm. something that they can take on as their own. Mm. And so we're thinking through these things yeah. and regardless of what our present past or history is, the Lord has beautiful marriages and renews and has fresh starts and new beginnings and forgiveness and all that at any step of the way. Mm-hmm. So that said, I am very grateful that Elisha and I saved ourselves from marriage. And mm-hmm. so we're going to come at this from that angle. I think the biggest thing was that it was never about remaining a virgin. At least in my conversations with my parents, they never place any emphasis on the importance of being a virgin. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't how far can I take this and yet stop short of intercourse. I didn't really know that was people's perspective on virginity until actually probably after I got married. So I just was kind of like naive to that. But the number one thing that my parents talked to me about when it came to saving yourself for marriage was honoring God and obeying him. That is the number one reason why we wanted to do this. And I think that sometimes we miss that mark in Christian culture and explaining that this isn't even about us. This is about something that God set up. My parents really encouraged a fear of God in me and encouraged me to read his word. And as I read his word, I saw that sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman is sinful and it hurts God and sex, meaning like the whole gamut of giving your body to another person. It was never about the specific act of intercourse at Proverbs seven. You know, you read Proverbs seven and it talks about the Proverbs seven woman or the strange woman and sex out of marriage being like a dart striking through your liver hmm. where first it's, it seems so fun. And then you don't realize that it's just like this slow, painful death Hmm. and these are the bible i guess was our teacher for what's going to be helpful in this life what's not going to be helpful what's honoring to god what's not and also the bible is very clear that god's standard is that lusting is like committing adultery in our hearts Mm -hmm. so these are all the things that i was taught that made me place such a high value on virginity it wasn't this pious i'm better than anyone else or I have this special treasure or Mm -hmm. anything. I thought it was a very normal thing to do as a Christian based off what God says in his scripture. Mm -hmm. And if I was to honor God, then this was one way that he called me to do it. And if I didn't, there was going to be negative consequences. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of like my perspective, I guess. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, I think that for me, a couple things that I could point out for my childhood and my young adult life was that something that I'm 
really grateful for is that my parents made uh, marriage and they made a healthy family look really appealing to me. And I think so often I see parents that are telling their kids not to do something, you know, to refrain until sex, until marriage. And, and their parents are looking at them and saying, so what? So I can get what you have, like, which is, which does not look appealing. You know, you guys resent each other. You guys don't, don't seem to take pleasure in each other ever in any way. Um, and again, this is no excuse for, for diving into sin as a young adult. So it's not like if my parents, you know, had a bad marriage and that's licensed for me to go explore different avenues of sexuality. But I think that because my parents had such a healthy and thriving marriage that was romantic, I saw that this is a desire that I have that will be fulfilled in, in the proper time. And that, that marriage is a great place to explore this part of me and to, you know, enjoy it with one person for the rest of my life. And so I think having that example, and then in addition to my parents, my parents were very proactive in putting me around other, whether they're younger families or older families, where the marriages were really vibrant and you can tell they loved each other and they were passionate about each other. And I think that that was a huge blessing for me to be around numerous families and to see that exemplified over and over again. Yeah. That was the second thing I put down was that it blesses your marriage. Hmm. And I, I saw my parents' marriage and it was so different than so many other people's marriages that I saw. And it wasn't due to that one factor of them saving themselves for marriage. But right. at the time, as a kid, you're just comparing apples to apples. Yeah. Like, do I think this is a good idea? Do I not think this is a good idea? You know, like, you don't know all the intricate details of what goes into a marriage at that point. And they just made marriage look appealing. Right. So I took their word for it when they said, this is going to be a blessing in your marriage. And I want to say this right now. This is not, they didn't teach a prosperity doctrine mm-hmm. with... I heard this one gal explaining how she just hated purity culture, purity culture, and whatever that term is. It's like a man-made term Mm -hmm. where basically she felt like if she saved herself for marriage, she was promised a good marriage. She was Mm -hmm. promised a good sex life. And nowhere in the Bible does it say that. So we have to be really careful. We're going to God's word and taking what we're doing from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In every aspect of our sexuality, because there are things that we have to our entire life refrain from because God has forbidden it. He said that you cannot do these things with your body. This is inappropriate forever. And maybe that's a desire that you have in your brain or in your heart or in your body. And guess what? Like that's not in the cards for how God called us to live. And we are to find our fulfillment in every way in him and then express that in the ways that he's laid out for us. And marriage between a man and a woman is one of those ways that he's laid out for us to, to express our sexuality, which I'm grateful for all the other desires that we have that are forbidden. Well, Hey, guess what? All these things are going to be satisfied and made new and made perfect in our new bodies in heaven. But while we're here in this physical body, there are going to be things that we have to bring under submission to God's word and to his holiness that maybe we wouldn't choose to, if it was just up to us. And Mm -hmm. I'll say one more thing too, Katie, uh, about, this because, you know, you referenced a ton of great Bible verses talking about the holiness of sexuality and the standard that God calls us to. But as far as justification, this, that only happens through Jesus, Jesus Christ. I mean, I think that's a huge reason why Jesus said, Hey, you know, the law says that, you know, if you commit to sleep with another woman, that's committing adultery. Well, I say, if you look on her and you have a thought of sexual intent towards her, 
or whatever, you know, it says that along the lines of that, then you're guilty of this. Well, that condemns every, every man for sure. And I don't know about women, but it condemns everybody and shows that we've all come short and that the only righteousness that we can have in this area is found in the person of Jesus Christ. So that's where we find our hope and our righteousness. And then when we are in him, then we can take on this identity that we are and we can live into that standard that he has, not trying to earn any righteousness because that's who he's made us to be. Yes. Thank you, Elisha, for pointing that out. I think that the lines could get really blurred here with almost any issue where it becomes that's just practical or that God encourages us to do for our good. Mm-hmm. And we take it on as somehow this is going to save me or it's going to make me better or putting our hope or in our salvation in this act that we do or don't do instead right. of in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's right. And yeah. we do not want to confuse those things here and, and put one as high as the other because yeah. they just, there's no comparison. Yeah. And I think that when people talk about this, there's like the practical earthly ramifications of this, which are real. You know, when you have relations with somebody in your life, that's not your spouse, the practical ramifications from that you live with. Does that define who you are? No. Does that, you know, is that going to bring a wedge between you and God? No, that Christ, he satisfies all those things. Well, not if we repent. Yeah. If we repent of that, Sin exactly. Brings a wedge it brings a wedge, but because of the newness that we have in Jesus Christ, we can have this unity with Jesus Christ and we can have unity with our spouse because of that. I wanted to say some of that too, just like those practical things, I think are really good. Um, physical touch starts a time bomb. And so my parents encouraged us not to kiss until we were engaged. Mm-hmm. This can, you could, all of this is so subjective, but it's just the concept of when you are starting to be physical with someone, you want a deadline. You want something in mind that is going to come to its full, I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for? Consummation. (laughs) No, that wasn't the word I was looking for. But I guess any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage is never satisfying. And that's something I found in dating. You know, I held Elisha's hand. That was really electrifying for a while. And then we kissed and then we'd make out. And it was never enough. Mm -hmm. It was never enough. I always wanted more. And you always think that when you push the line, it's going to give you this feeling of satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't get there. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, not dating until you're preparing for marriage because why would you start being physical with someone that you have no intent of marrying Mm -hmm. and then being really thoughtful as a single person of, do I want to start this time ticker with this other person Mm -hmm. where it's either going to, it's going to explode one way or the other. We're going to need to break up or we're going to need to get married Mm -hmm. and different, different people are different ways in their physicality. Like for Elisha and I, I think we kissed like two weeks before we got engaged. We really wanted to be engaged at that point, and we couldn't convince my parents to mm-hmm. let us be engaged. Um, but, and and we did not do this perfectly, by the way. No. Yeah. BTW. Well, I, I mean, again, I know I've had like a thousand disclaimers. No, oh, I should, but don't. No more disclaimers? You, no. Okay. No more disclaimers. Okay. You guys know we are so imperfect. Okay? Oh, yeah. We've done a lot of stuff. I just want to share this, though, you know, because I think it's helpful, and that is, like, we had a two-and-a-half-month-long engagement. That was way too long, too. <laughs> and everybody was like, wow, you guys are rushing your engagement. But you know what? It's not about the wedding. For us, it was the healthiest thing for us to do. And did it make it more stressful? Yes. Did it make the wedding more stressful? 
yeah, like all the planning and leading mm-hmm. up to it. But it was a really healthy thing for us because that was plenty long. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And yeah. some people are better and like they have, I don't know, a longer fuse and they can take six months or nine months, but it's not about all that, I guess. Sometimes you can make it easier for yourself. Yeah, definitely. Anyways, but I wanted to go back real quick because I wasn't quite done with like it blessing a marriage. Mm -hmm. I think I didn't realize how much it was going to bless my marriage until after I was married. Hmm. I think you don't realize the ramifications of this when you are single. It doesn't, I mean, it's hurtful. Like it would be hurtful when a guy told me he had been with another woman. It would always be emotional when I liked him and I'm picturing a future with him. Yeah, Yeah, no, it wasn't just like someone coming up on the street and be like, hi, I've had sex before. Um, but so it it was always emotional, but I didn't realize how emotional it could be or how much I would have compared myself. Mm -hmm. Cause I think even Elisha kissing another woman was hard for me when we started kissing, Hmm. just realizing, Oh wow. The ramifications of this, like you felt these emotions with someone else. And it just, the, the potential for that comparison Mm -hmm. and that fear and that insecurity is just really high. Mm -hmm. And so that's just something that like as a single person, if you haven't had sex before, it's not something you can really comprehend. And so I would just really encourage you again, the biggest thing is going back to God's word and, and we live by God's word because there's blessing in it, whether we understand it or not. Yeah. And so I would just encourage you to see what God's word says about everything pertaining to sexuality. Yeah. And as best you can just stick to that Mm -hmm. because ultimately He's going to get you like his, his guidelines <laughs> are going to get you the best out of life, mm. this life that you can. Mm-hmm. And there's so much blessing in them. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I think my parents just placed a high priority on that blessing and on honoring God and not about doing this for, to earn your salvation or be perfect or have any, a better standing, have with a God. Better standing yeah. or <laughs> any of that. But just this, is what this, it was just really black and white. This is what God says. So this is what you should do. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was, that was a big blessing. And then, and then just practically they did set up different boundaries that just made it easier. Mm-hmm. So we weren't actually tempted to go there mm-hmm. with someone else. Yes. When our decision-making wasn't as good or as right. long-term right. as it is Yes. now. Yep. That makes sense. Well, anyways, yeah, those are two kind of big questions. <laughs> We're going to, Elisha's like, I said short and lighthearted tonight in those I know. questions I'm you brought. Really sh- I should have worn a t-shirt. I'm sweating through this dang flannel that I'm wearing. I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's not your fault. I should have prepared more for this or something, although you did tell me the topic like 20 minutes before, so, so. I didn't have much time to prepare. Anyways, you guys know, I think, where we're coming from. And we just, we love talking marriage. We love talking well, about all these things. Well, if you have things. questions or concerns, like, comment them down below. If you yeah. think, you know, we explained something poorly or if you think it came off a certain way or whatever, we can always delete them. Yeah, so. that's right. We've got that capability. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you all so much. And we'll talk to you next week.